sorry, how are we doing today? Oh my god, I just remembered that you can't answer. <laughs> just ignore that. Hey guys, and welcome to Beyond the Social Butterfly, the podcast for those who are still trying to find their way, just like me. Uh, Today on the podcast, we've got Hamilton coming to the Sydney Lyric Theatre, Lil Nas X Satan's Shoes campaign. Um, So I'm going to start off with this week with Hamilton. So Hamilton has opened officially at the Sydney Lyric Theatre, opened on the 17th of March. I personally love Hamilton. It's one of my favorite musicals. But for those who aren't, don't exactly know what it's about, um, Hamilton is an American musical sung and rapped. And the lyrics and music was written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who you might be familiar with. He also wrote some of the music, some, I think, I don't think all, don't quote me on that, um, for Moana, the movie. He's awesome. He also um, wrote and starred in the musical In the Heights, which was the first musical before he did, before he wrote and starred in Hamilton. I know. And he's doing all this stuff and I'm just chilling. And so it tells the story of Alexander Hamilton, who is the um, uh, an American founding father. And Miranda actually, Limamore Miranda, actually said that he was inspired to write the musical after reading the 2004 biography of Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chanel. Um, so it is has opened already and you're probably wondering how it's going to work, especially with COVID and everything like that. But um, they actually have a COVID safe plan. I think all the theatres do at the moment have like a COVID safe plan. It's still at 100% capacity in terms of like sitting, but everyone has to, like everyone 12 and up, I'm pretty sure, has to wear a mask. Um, like while they're in the theater, I don't think you can like stand up and drink or like mingle or anything like that in the theater. There are like certain times where um, you have to go in, if you sit in a different like certain section, you have to go at like this time and then sit straight down and that kind of stuff. So it seems to be going okay, I mean, we haven't really had any cases in Sydney yet. Oh, poor Byron at the moment, I swear. So, yeah, apparently it, like the first opening night, got a huge standing ovation, which is awesome because it must mean that the cast is awesome. So now I'm going to talk about the cast. So Alexander Hamilton is being played by Jason Arrow. Um, Jason Arrow actually graduated from WAPA which if you don't know what that is, it's a Western Australian uh, Academy of Performing Arts. So it's in Perth um, in 2016. And he has recently been in uh, the ensemble of Beautiful, the Carol King musical. And he was in Aladdin as well, but I'm not sure who he actually played or like what he did. This sounds like it's his first starring role, which I mean is all like, which I mean is awesome for him. Um, And Aaron Burr, who um, plays kind of like the villain in the story, um, I will leave a link on my um, blog post where I'll share this podcast. I'll leave a link to um, like information about the musical if you want to find out a little bit more about the musical. 
Um, and sorry, Aaron Burr is going to be played by Lyndon Watts, who I've never really, I've seen so many musicals. And a lot of these people I've actually never really like seen before. They're not like big names in Australian musical, like they're not big names in Australian musical theatre, but they've all had like really good experience, but a lot of them seem to be um, like experience in ensemble roles. Not a lot of them have been doing like a uh, lead main roles or anything like that. And Hamilton is just such a weird musical, like the whole thing, pretty much the whole thing's rap. There's very few singing in the show. I mean, there are songs, but like rapping is like the main part of the musical in general. So I'll be interested to see how all these people who probably are music, are musically background, how they'll be, um, how they'll be incorporating that rap style, getting that rhythm in there. Cause um, Limbo Miranda just does it so good. Like his rhythms in his writing of the show is just so complex and so um, syncopated rhythm. So it's quite hard to follow. Um, and rap especially. So I'll be interested to see how that goes when I go and see it. I'm actually going in May. So um, if I'm still doing the podcast by then, which I will actually, I will let you know. I'll tell you what I think. I'll have to do another uh, What's Happening Now segment on what I thought of the show, which will be really interesting for you guys. Uh, Chloe Zul is going to play Eliza Hamilton. Um, she most recently played Aragon in Six, the musical. And Anita in West Side Story. Eliza's just got such... I know when Philippa So um, played Eliza, she's the original Broadway cast a member that played Eliza. And her voice is just so sweet, so innocent, which is exactly what you need for a role like this. So I'd be interested to see um, how Chloe decides to do this role, whether she decides to um, copy or just like completely uh, change it up. So that'll be cool. Um, Angelica Skylar, who's like one of the three Skylar sisters, it's Eliza, Angelica, and Peggy. And Angelica is going to be played by Akina Edmonds. Uh, in she's actually from New Zealand that I know of. Um, I also heard that she in the Sydney production of The Lion King played Nala, which is pretty good. I mean, I love my Disney musicals, so um, that'll be super, that'll be super exciting. It's a great role as well. Like you have to have a really good voice and that kind of stuff. So, um, hopefully that will end up good. I'm so sorry. I'm completely going to mess up these names. Uh, Alandra Aramaha. I'm so sorry. I apologize. Um, she plays Peggy as, um, she plays Peggy. So one of the other Skylar sisters, but she also plays, um, there are a couple of roles who actually play like one role in the first act and then another role in the second act. So she's one of the ones that kind of doubles up. Um, she's going to play Peggy Schuyler in the first act and then actually doubles as Mariah Reynolds, which becomes the um, girl that Alexander Hamilton actually has an affair with. And that's quite a like sultry role. It's like the complete opposite from like Peggy to uh, Mariah Reynolds. It's like completely innocent, fun, playful to go to that really like um, dark, sensual kind of role. So I'll be like, you have to be super versatile to be able to play a role like that. So I'm really interested to seeing how that's going to go. Uh, George Washington is going to be played by Natu Narangapo. Um, and he's from New Zealand. He's from New Zealand as well. And he, as far as I'm aware, actually played, um, actually played Mufasa 
in the Lion King mus- uh, in the Lion King musical that was in Sydney as well. So that's a huge like that's a huge role. That's one of the main roles in the Lion King. So that's gonna be um like he's a little bit older, looks that little bit older, which is like perfect because obviously George Washington kind of like when the president you kind of have to have that like older, mature, wise kind of um like attitude, you gotta have that vibe. So um, he should be able to play that awesome. Um, I know in the previews that I've been watching, he was one of the ones I was really excited about. And Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson are two characters also in the show, one of the also doubles. Um, so Lafayette is a French, and one of the French soldiers that Alexander Hamilton fights with and is really good friends with in, um, like within the musical, helps him out in the Battle of Yorktown. Um, and then Thomas Jefferson actually becomes, um, is one of Alexander Hamilton's like worst enemies. Like they don't agree, they don't get along, anything like that. But Alexander Hamilton actually elects him as president um, once George Washington steps down. So they end up having some sort of like understanding, even though they don't necessarily like each other or what either one stands for. Thomas Jefferson finds um, Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton a little bit too spoiled, I would say, whereas Alexander Hamilton finds um, Thomas Jefferson a little bit too arrogant. Yeah, I think it's a little bit too, a little bit too, I'm important, I'm like the most important one. Like, and both Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson are such hard characters. Um, Lafayette is lyrically probably one of the hardest characters in the show. He raps guns and ships, which is uh, one of the fastest talking in the show. I think he averages about th- three words every second in that song or something like that. So that's that's a huge, um, that's a huge word vomit mouthpiece that he kind of has to, um, he kind of has to do in act one. Plus Thomas Jefferson is such a complex character in the second act. Um, he's got to have, um, He's got to have that arrogance with him towards the and then towards the end of the musical is so understanding of Alexander Hamilton as a person um, when he actually realizes kind of what he's done for America. So that character in itself is so complex, let alone Lafayette having a French accent and having to talk so fast in all of those as well. Um, so he will be played by Victory Nadwuki. I'm so sorry, I'm getting these very wrong. And um, Shaka Cook as well, who will be playing Hercules Mulligan and James Madison. So Hercules Mulligan in the beginning is quite similar to Lafayette, becomes one of the people who helps Alexander Hamilton fight in the Battle of Yorktown. Um, there's kind of three of them with Alexander Hamilton. There's Lafayette, there's Hercules Mulligan, and then there's John Lawrence as well. The three, the four of them kind of band together um, to found really American independence and they kind of fight in the Battle of Yorktown for that freedom and the three and um, the four of them kind of do it together with Alexander Hamilton. Um, and then in the second act, he actually, the same character, the same person playing the character actually turns into James Madison, who in history, I believe, became president at one point, but wasn't actually president in the musical Hamilton. More was um, Thomas Jefferson's kind of like right-hand man. And he comes with quite a similar attitude than Thomas that Thomas Jefferson does 
um, towards the end of the musical where he actually realizes how much Alexander Hamilton has actually done for America. And um, once Alexander, oh, actually, I don't want to spoil this, so I'm not going to say it. Um, John Lawrence and Philip Hamilton are another double up. John Lawrence, I mentioned before, becomes one of the four people that helps in the Battle of Yorktown. And um, in the second half becomes Philip Hamilton, which is actually Alexander Hamilton's son. Um, so they will both be played by Marty Alex. So he actually won a Helpman Award for his um, for his role of Sonny in In the Heights, which is the other musical that Lin-Manuel Miranda had previously written. So he's kind of experienced the songmanship and the um, craftsmanship of Lin-Manuel Miranda already. So it'd be really interesting how he plays that as well. And the one, finally, the one, the only King George III will be played by Brent Hill. So he actually played Dewey Finn in the School of Rock. So that'll be really interesting to see how he plays um, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda kind of um, puts King George that that takes takes the piss out of him a little bit and um makes him quite pompous and quite arrogant and so I'll be interested to see how um he focuses on that and actually hones that in and um whether he'll uh the same with all the other characters whether they'll mimic the um original Broadway cast or rather that um whether he'll actually put his own spin on it so that'll be really interesting and um, just one thing I wanted to touch on is how amazing this musical is for diversity. I know in the original Broadway cast, um, nearly every single person is either um, someone of colour or has a native background or um, every single person nearly comes from a different culture. So um, it's, I think there was a quote from Limo or Miranda and it is um, a story of America then told by America now and I think that's just such a beautiful point to um, to focus on is that yes we are so diverse now and even though because if this was accurate um, if this was an accurate representation every single cast member would be white because that was just the that was just society's norm back then and it's so beautiful to see how we've evolved and how um, culture diversity has been welcomed in musical in musical theatre thanks to, uh, thanks to this musical and it's exactly the same for uh, the Australian cast. Nearly every single person, um, nearly every single person is someone of a different culture. We've got people from got people from New Zealand. Lyndon Watts, um, his father immigrated from the Caribbean. Yeah, and every nearly every single person is a person of colour except for Brent Hill, who plays King George the Third. And that's the same in the original Broadway cast. The only person who is white was actually King George the Third, who's played by Jonathan Goff, was actually the only white person um in the cast. So I find that such a beautiful like such a beautiful thing. Um, and I think in an interview with one of the um one of the people in the Australian cast of Hamilton uh, he said that it's so great for the audience to be able to see different types of people on stage. It's people that you would find in the streets, people that you would find in everyday life. Every um, The whole cast itself is so culturally diverse. It's like our life now. And the audience is able to see these people on stage and picture themselves on stage no matter where they come from, no matter what they look like. And I think that's such an important message to come across in all aspects, not just musical theatre, 
and it's so beautiful that we're able to do this with this musical because um previous musicals like we just like we just don't have that and I think it's a it's a new age we need to move on we need to um come into the 21st century in musical theater where people like people are different we're coming into it now as we're getting in like as newer musicals are coming in but we're still not 100% there and I think we still have a long way to go and um I think Hamilton is just a start lucky for you that's what I like that's what I like lucky for you that's what I like that's what I like um and our next story today is Nike sues over Lil Nas X Satan shoes with human blood in souls. That's a article from today. And I just need to like, I just need to like hold up for a second because I saw this article title and I was like, I was very confused. I saw Satan shoes. I saw blood in shoes and I saw Nike shoes. And I was like, oh no, like what is happening? I was just so confused. Um, so from this article, it looks like Nike has actually filed infringement lawsuit um, against the company uh, MSCHF um, that released a controversial customized version of one of the of one of Nike's uh, sportswear sneakers, um, and it's a uh, ad that was actually um, NHCHF MS. CHF was um, joined with Lil Nas X who um, sings Old Town Road and they're so the shoes that they're um, that they've supposedly copied is the um, Nike Air Max 97s um, which is actually has a reference to a bible verse about Satan's fall from heaven um, and and MHCHF also confirmed to NBC News that the um, shoes contained a drop of blood inside the soul drawn from members of the MSCHF team. And I was like, what? Human blood? Who wants human blood in a shoe? That's my question. Like if I'm running on, like if I'm running on the treadmill, I don't want to know that I have a literal blood in my shoe. Like to me, that's just scary. But apparently, six hundred and sixty-six pairs of this copied Nike shoe at one thousand and eighteen dollars each sold out. I was reading this, like reading this article. I was gobsmacked got oh that's not a word I was gobsmacked I was so I was so confused I was like who would want to buy shoes with blood in them like I just it was something I just had to talk about today because I find it so um I just find it so crazy that it's something that appeals to people I personally wouldn't go and buy it but hey if you like blood in your shoe you go for it man you pay that one thousand dollars and you buy the shoe because <laughs> apparently 666 people did because they're all gone um and it does actually say um Nike did state that they have nothing to do with the um the selling of the shoe or the shoe itself just said that it was copied from their um from their Air Max 97s. Um, and we've got another article as well. That's also from today. 
and it is titled Lil Nas X Sparks Outrage with new music video and sneakers and he responds to critics. The video for the rapper's latest single has been met with mixed opinions on social media due to the explicit sexual nature of the video's content. So I found that um, that quite interesting. I thought it was just the, um, I thought the real issue about this was just um, the fact that MSCHF has actually copied this shoe from Nike, has put human blood in it from members of the company. I've, and that the fact that 666 pairs have been sold at $1,000 each already, I thought that was the main issue about this story, only to, only to figure out that Lil Nas X has actually promoted these shoes through a new music video for Montero, Call Me By Your Name. And the video debut pretty much almost instantly went viral. Um, and it looks like it's been viewed more than 24 million times. Um, and it's had heaps of mixed reviews about it. Um, some people uh, some people are really excited about it. It really represents art and um, art and idealistic vision. While others are super against the video um, for the religious religious intent of the um of the sexual undertones about the um devil um and actually looking at this video i personally am not religious but i think the fact that he was sliding down to hell on a pole and like connotations of like giving the devil like a lap dance i feel like that kind of stuff Rappers videos these days have just gone to a completely new level and everything this everything in now nowadays just has to be so controversial um, in order to get a point across but I don't I don't feel like um, it has I don't feel like it has to be that way number one I don't even watch music videos anymore like last time I watched a music video it was like a Taylor Swift you belong with me love music video and I was 13 years old like that kind of stuff just like nowadays isn't as popular as it used to be not as important to involve it's so much more it's so much more about the music now and and like what kind of message that bring that brings across and when it's a message that actually is quite controversial i'm not sure whether it's a like whether it's a good idea when you're defiant when you're um when you're dividing your audience to this extent controversy and making you think about these issues is always super important to include in anything, in anything that you do, it's um, everything's meant to promote change, spark thought, advance knowledge. But when it divides audience that much, religion is just such a sensitive thing, uh, just such a sensitive thing to talk about. So many people feel really strongly about one side or the other, and it's really important that we kind of meet it. We kind of meet it in the middle because people have very people have very strong opinions, and it can it can split. It can like split lives essentially, and we know that most of these controversies are coming from uh, are coming from parents of kids who are Lil Nas X fans, and um, they don't want their kid they don't want their kids to be watching this. It's not something that they want their kids to be exposed to. It's not personally something that I would want my kids to exp- to be exposed to either. But then we also have to think. But then we also have to think about. 
Um, I really want to focus on this uh, tweet that Lil Nas X had posted and it was there is a mass shooting every week that our government does nothing to stop. Me sliding down a CGI pole isn't what's dest destroying society. And I think that's still such an important point to bring like there's still such an important point to bring across that yes like yes this is personally i would find inappropriate for children to be watching but the same but at the same time people have other things to worry about uh, like people have other things to worry about i know in america the coronavirus is still such a big thing it's so important and although us here in australia we're actually doing pretty well um, people over there, like so many people are being um, tested every day. Uh, people are dying so often and it's just something that is um, that is destroying the country. And I think that's more important than um, a controversial uh, controversial music video. But then at the same but then at the same time, you have to think about the fact that this is really important to some people. They don't want their um, people who are really religious find this quite offensive and Lil Nas X audience is mostly children and people don't want to be exposed to um to anything like that at such at such a young age and I totally understand where people are coming from but then I also understand where Lil Nas X is coming from and um he and he says look I'm only like I'm only young I'm but I'm still I'm still an adult I technically can do whatever I want it's um it's your decision whether you want to expose your kids to that or whether you don't. And that's not necessarily my problem, which is 100%, 100% right. He, um, if he wants to make the decision, if he wants to betray himself like that, who, like, who are we to say that's inappropriate? Like he's doing, um, he's being who he, he's being who he wants to be. He's being an individual um, and he's uh, expressing himself in an art form, but it's also... It's other people's responsibility about whether they want to expose themselves to this or whether they want to or whether they want to walk away. But we're so um, but how can we? We're so focused on individuality and being yourself when things like this come. But when things like this come out, um, all of a sudden we're all of a sudden we're completely turned off and we're like, you can't you can't be this. But at the same time, that's just him being an individual and that's OK. And that's not necessarily a, that's not necessarily a problem. But he is 100% right. We have other things to worry about, which makes me wonder how much this music video actually took to produce and could that money go to something more important? Um, yes, we do have bigger things to worry about, but you're still making this video when we do have other things to worry about and... Um, what is your contribution to those things? Yes, you're causing con you're causing controversy and you're making people think, but you but are you making people think about the right things? Are you using your fan base and your um and your huge name to make a change, to assist in making that change? Because essentially the people who can make that change are celebrities, are people like Lil Nas X who are able to cause controversy, who are able to get those issues out there. Um, I think that's more what these people need to be focusing on. They need to be, they need to be making change about things they're really passionate about, about issues that they really don't, that they really don't agree with. And I think that's, it's just so important to, um, it's so important for these people who have such a big following, who have such a big influence to um, really hone in on what they want and how they can promote change because essentially 
we can't, like I can't, like as much as I can, as much as I can talk on this podcast and say how important it is for, um, how important it is for people to make change, I can't. I can't necessarily make any difference. I'm only one individual person. I don't have a huge following. I don't have a huge influence. Where these people who do really need to hone in on um, the change they can make as a person and really think to themselves, yes, I'm a really, in- uh, I'm yes, I'm a really influential person. How can I use this to make the world a better place? And I think that's so important in reference to, um, in reference to the American election. And I think. Um, it was it was just such a great example of how people can do that in the American in the American election. Voting isn't compulsory in America, which I find just totally crazy. And and as a person living in in Australia, I just find that so um, crazy to think about. But voting isn't compulsory in America, and so it's so important for these influencers who they were doing right before um, when you could vote that every single person was promoting, please vote, please vote, share your opinion. You you are able to have a say if you want change. This is how you, like, if you want change, this is how you do it. And it's so important that these people at this high level are using that following in order to enact change, in order to encourage people to go towards a direction where they're able to have a say where they're able to have a voice and I think this is what Lil Nas X should be doing rather than uh, causing controversy over um, religious connotations of a sexual video when he's commenting there is a mass shooting every week that's a hundred that's a hundred percent but what is this video what is this video doing to focus on an issue like that it's not and I think that's just a um, such an important point uh, to focus on bigger than this whole article themselves like Nike what are you doing <laughs> uh, so that's it for our what's happening now segment and stay tuned and we'll be starting with our get social segment this is beyond the social butterfly lucky for you that's what I like that's what I like lucky for you that's what I like that's what I like Hey guys, this is our Get Social segment. Now, the person I'm interviewing today needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. It is my beautiful sister, Sunil Elise Morgan. So Sunil is smashing goals already, just at the age of 21 years old. She is Priceline's retail manager in Dapdo. She is studying part-time at University of Wollongong, a Bachelor of Commerce. And she has just been announced as runner-up of New South Wales Priceline Retail Manager of the Year. We're so excited to have her on today. Sunil, how are you doing? Hello, I'm going very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. No worries. And yeah, I'm excited to get get talking. Beautiful. So um, just to start off with, I'm just going to start off with a question that I'm going to ask everyone. Uh, What did you want to be when you were younger? Um, so I originally wanted to be a school teacher, I'm pretty sure. Um, my mum's a teacher and I think that I've just always been surrounded by teachers and have seen that all of the school holidays that they get and the good working time and having a mum that was able to spend all those times with me, I really loved. Um, so I think that, yeah, originally I wanted to be able to do that, um, but I have since realised of how much work goes into teaching and that maybe that wasn't for me. <laughs> um, now, you definitely didn't start off 
wanting or maybe thinking that this is something that you would want to do uh, outside uh, for a future career. Uh, how did you picture your, your life before being given this opportunity? Is it any different to what you thought? Did you have any expectations? Um, I always knew that I would go to uni. It was always in my plans. I think both my parents went to uni, so it was just like an expectation that that's the first step after school is to go straight into study. Um, I did start working at Priceline in the middle of year 11 um, and did really enjoy just being treated more like an adult and understanding more the ins and outs of working in a business. Um, so it got to about halfway through 12 and I approached my manager because I had come to the decision that I most likely would have end up having a gap year, um, which was something that I never thought I would have just because I had no idea what I wanted to study at university. I knew I wanted to go, but I wasn't certain on exactly what I wanted to study. Um, and then at the end of year 12, um, after I had studied business in year 11 and 12, and it was one of my best subjects, as well as really enjoying the ins and outs of the working business at Priceline, I decided that I would actually apply for a commerce degree, um, which I always used to laugh about because my dad used to say, oh, you should do just commerce, you should do commerce degree. And I always used to laugh and say, I will never do a commerce degree because um, he's an accountant and I could not think of anything worse. <laughs> Um, however, yeah, I came home and I said, Dad, I think I'm going to do a commerce degree. And um, it's just kind of been um, from there. And even then, once I did decide what I wanted to do, I was really torn between what was expected, which was to go straight to uni to study this full time, um, or whether to take a year off and gain some experience in a supervisor role that I was offered um, at work straight out of school. Um, so that, yeah, I ended up taking the supervisor position, which um, is something that I never really would have expected. I always, always thought I would go straight to uni. So yeah, it did turn out a little bit different than what I thought. So your decision to go into this type of management career would have been quite a tough one for you to make. Uh, would you go back and the decision if you would? Do you have any regrets or anything of your career so far? Um, so far, no. I think that um, the timeline that I've picked for myself has been working for me. Um, so far, I've really enjoyed having that work-life balance between being able to work full-time and being able to then study part-time as well. Um, and I really just decided that I just wanted to take this experience over doing going straight into my degree um, just because I really loved being in that work environment and being treated as an adult and having that on hands experience um, and uh, yeah I definitely don't think I would change my decision now from what I did um, as I found something that I'm really passionate about and it has really confirmed to me that then what I'm studying at uni is the right choice for me. Yeah you've kind of settled into the decision and happy about it yeah it's definitely solidified the decision there weren't any questionings when I started studying part-time um in the year after my gap year because um, I just knew that from my experience at work that this is what I wanted to do awesome uh you've been through a tough year 2020 has been last year was a tough year for everyone I think it was a bit of a whirlwind um but obviously you've come through managed everyone managed your life and 
better than ever. Uh, how have you managed to do that? Is it hard to find motivation in those moments? Um, I would definitely say that, um, yeah, last year is basically indescribable. Um, a lot of people would know it in their personal lives, but I feel like being and also in the pharmaceutical world that we experienced um, in store something that is absolutely out, out of your mind, um, what we went through. And I think that, um, yeah, coming back and looking out of the side of it, I was really just taking it day by day um, and just surviving each day you couldn't predict or try and motivate yourself in the long term because you just didn't know what it was going to be like in the long term and I think overall I am a pretty just naturally motivated person I'm I'm always a perfectionist and um, won't allow something to be finished um, unless it is to my standards Um, and I think just coming out of each day especially during COVID last year just um, picking out the small wins or the small impacts you've had on the customers or even um, my employees lives was really what motivated me to keep turning up to work and being that person in the community that could really be relied on Um, and I think that yeah it was really good to eventually at the end of last year achieve some really positive results that were meant we were able to finish the year on a really big high instead of what we were um, closer to the beginning in the true um, high demand pandemic panic buying yeah a little bit crazy the beginning of last year was um so you've just been announced as runner-up for Priceline's New South Wales Retail Manager of the Year uh what was that like hearing your name called what was the situation that you were in um how, how did that feel um so we were actually in a big conference call like basically a state network meeting that we do online so we had all of New South Wales managers um all the um the general manager, the head of marketing, everybody spoke. They did their own um, kind of little segment. Is that normally something that's like online or is it just in these circumstances because of COVID that Mm -hmm. it is online? Is it something that is normally in person? Yeah, like it was supposed to be up in Sydney in person to get all of us together Um, however due to the um, COVID outbreak that occurred kind of at the beginning of this year they um, just did it all again online Um, especially because a lot of our general managers uh, and head of our um, teams are based down in Melbourne so if there are any restrictions they're unable to actually come up and be a part of that Um, conference here as well Um, but yeah so we were just sitting there um, they were just presenting it was at the very one of the very beginnings where our um, state network manager actually comes on and announces the top um, the winner and the runner-up for each category there are about five or six different categories and when I saw that I had become runner-up for retail manager for New South Wales um, I was in I was just in shock for a little bit like I know my regional managers have told me that our store's doing really well like you're coping with everything really well but I think that um only having being in this role for just over a year to being able to achieve that um in that short period of time and especially over last year I was just yeah just so proud to even be considered and to even be nominated in a group of such talented um, managers all across New South Wales in Priceline. Yeah well because of this it's quite obvious to see you've been a great leader so far obviously like it's a position that wouldn't even be considered if someone 
uh, wasn't reaching those high expectations. How do you reach those expectations? Do you have, uh, do you plan goals and set goals for yourself, set goals for your teams, uh, long-term goals, uh, short-term goals? Uh, how do you go about achieving those goals and actually going for those goals, either individually, long-term, as a group? Um, I think that overall, just being a really fair, genuine leader is just really important in the workplace and being able to have that one-on-one connection with with each of your staff members to make sure that they all do feel appreciated and that everybody is fulfilling the jobs that they're supposed to do. Um, last year, I think that that was more important than anything um, to know that all these all of my employees worked all across the COVID outbreak. Um, we were uh, frontline workers, essential workers. So we did not, um, yeah, we did not close. We didn't shorten our hours. So for them to really feel appreciated during that time was really important to me. Um, throughout on the non-COVID period, um, I do normally try and set yearly, quarterly, monthly, and even weekly goals um, that range from monetary, so financial targets, um, to more team-based, such as team development and team training. Um, and I just try to then break them down into just small weekly or daily tasks that I can complete to work towards them every day, um, and then gradually chip away at them so that they're not so uh, like a big goal um, that yeah they are able to be broken down and just chipped away at um, until we yeah until we get it so I think yeah just setting goals and then breaking them down is just the best thing so that you're not too overwhelmed. So your decision to enter into this career instead of really going for university first and doing what's uh, expected uh, must have been a really difficult decision for you it would have been one that you would have had to think about um, choosing a career uh, going for a career so early in your life before actually uh, going to university following the expectations Uh, do you have any advice for people who are faced with those difficult decisions Um, I would always just tell people that um, you always have plenty of time that there's no need to rush these big decisions in your life Um, if you don't need to feel like that you need to decide the rest of your life and where you're going to work today in this moment that you in 10 years time could be working in a job that hasn't even been created yet Um, and I think that you just need to wait patiently until you decide where you really want to go I think that there's no point rushing into studying something that you're only 50% sure of um that you would be better off trialing different things seeing how you can potentially get in the industry to see if you would like it before you do invest a couple of years um and i think that just for people who are trying to establish their own long-term goals is just to set some really clear where would you like to be in three years where would you like to be in five years what would you like to achieve this year um and really just break them down to how can you what can you do this month to eventually make sure that you achieve that by the end of the year and just kind of know the pathway that you want to go so that you don't feel so overwhelmed of having all the decisions of your whole life in front of you that that you can just break them down to where do what do you want what would you be happy if you achieved this year um, and then just go from there. I found that that's been really beneficial for me. Uh, Well, that carries on to my next question. What would you say to people who are struggling with that motivation, uh, with 
these goals that they need to set for themselves? Um, how would you tell people to go about where to start, how to how to achieve these goals in general? Um, well, I've had a fair few, yeah, a fair few employees that I've had that have worked for me and they've come to me and I said, what are you going to do next year? Like you're finishing school and um, they just turn to me, they go, I have no idea. I just don't even know. They look at me completely overwhelmed and I just tell them, you just need to bring in bring up a vision board, start put, jotting down things of what you would really like to achieve um, and then just, yeah, prioritizing what you want to achieve first and start um, working your way through them. Um, I think that, yeah, just kind of really journaling and really um, thinking and reflecting on what you want to achieve and who you are and who you want to be, especially at this young stage in life. Um, is so positive and that then in two months time you might change your mind but just to get all those feelings out on the paper um, I think yeah is um, just such a good idea to have that visual representation. Uh, now you are still very young you're only 21 years of age but you're a big retail manager of a huge Priceline store and You've been doing it for two years now, three years now? Yeah, about two years um, in July, but I've been managing assistant manager and supervisor for two years before that. Yeah, and you're doing a great job at it, obviously, from all these results. Um, going into that choice between going for your career, taking that gap year, taking the time to go for your career, rather than doing what? I assume all your friends from high school were doing um, what was expected from you, from the school, from universities. What was it like having to make that decision? Is there any, was there any influences, anyone that influenced your decision that helped you along with that decision? Um, I think that I remember tossing um, this decision up for months. Um, I was really torn about where, what the best place would be for me to go. Um, I think really that one of my um, managers who's now one of my good friends um, and is now my regional manager, um, she had a big influence, I would say, on my decision. She is now in a regional manager's position and did not go to university. Um, and she has always just told me that experience is invaluable and that there are so many companies now who value experience more than the actual degree on paper. Um, and I think just hearing that and being able to potentially have the best of both worlds and in this experience while getting a degree that I found that that choice was almost um, invaluable. I had to, I, there, I had to kind of feel like that I was doing that. Um, my degree is lucky that I can actually work in management. I can work in a commerce um, layout without having my degree. Um, if you were looking at studying something like teaching or nursing, 100% you can't really get that experience um, properly before you study your degree. So I think the one way is mainly yeah. that you do need to study first. Um, but I was blessed in my um, in my course that I wanted to do that I could actually be able to work in my field in quite um, a really um, valuable learning environment um, and be able to then put the hands-on experience to what I was learning at the degree. And I think, yeah, just having her being able to work at such a high level without even having a degree really influenced my decision that I could potentially get to a position higher up without having, without having a 
um, an actual degree. So Yeah, it's one of those um, careers that at the moment, like especially with COVID, everything like that, like the keys, the experience, everyone wants, um, everyone wants a chance, an opportunity to put their hat in the ring. And I think companies really, um, really value that rather than the piece of paper. Yeah, and I think that it just, the timing just worked out perfect for me. It has through this whole circumstance that that supervisor position came up right after I finished school and that then the assistant manager's position came up and that then my manager who had worked at Priceline Dapto for 10 years had decided that that year that I was in the assistant manager's position to move into the more regional manager's role um so really the timeline has just worked out perfect for me so I just think that it 100% was meant to be and I think that um having that job basically handed to me and the timing just being perfect was something that I couldn't refuse uh, do you think it's a good idea for like all those people who um, don't know what they want to do when they leave school to think about going for that career first? We're kind of given this expectation that as soon as you leave, as soon as you leave school, you go to university, you get your degree, you do a part-time job during the degree and then you go straight into a full-time job earning $80,000 a year. But that most of the time, especially for people in the 21st century, isn't actually the case. Like this expected timeline of us is normally so unreal, like so unrealistic. Do you think it's okay for people to realize that this timeline isn't important and to kind of follow your own path and kind of break the status quo? Oh yeah, definitely. I think that every single individual out there will follow a different timeline in their life. Um, and I think that at each crossroad, every person will make a different decision. Um, and that decision will lead you to a different place to someone else. Um, but I think at each circumstance, you just have to pick the best one um, for you. And even if you are starting to go there alone, um, that that is your path and that's where you're supposed to go to. Um, I've loved having this work-life balance that working full-time um, and studying part-time has given me over the past couple of years. Um, I've been able to achieve such rich experience um, that I find that I would not be able to get in a classroom. Um, and I've learned so much more and have stepped out of my comfort zone um, more than what I ever thought I would. Um, I've been put in very high pressure situations and having to make on the go decisions that I think you just don't know what that is like to experience until you actually do. Um, and I do feel now that I am so much more equipped um, once I do finish my degree to step out into the real world now that I do have this experience. Um, so I would say to anyone who's deciding and tossing up between the two, whatever you decide, um, whether it is that you want to work or whether that it is that you want to study, um, just know that that's the right decision for you and just um, yeah, decide it based on what's going to work best for you, best for your long-term career and best in your lifestyle as well. Um, and I think... That, yeah, even if you're the only person that makes that decision, um, that I think, yeah, you just have to embrace it and that there's no wrong decisions. You can always take a different path later in life as well. Uh, looking back on your life now and seeing where you were and where, like, where you've come from and how you've progressed into the person you are today, do you have any regrets looking back? Um, sometimes I do see my friends. I'm all graduating this year. 
last year. That would have been me. Um, I would have been finished last year. Um, or being able to sleep in in the mornings or really experience that uni lifestyle. And sometimes I do reflect back and go, what would have happened if I had gone straight to uni? Like, where would I be right now? What path would I be on? Um, but I know that the decision that I made was the right one for me, um, that I have grown so much more as a person. And I don't think I would have been the same person if I had gone straight to uni. And some of the experiences that I've been able to have at such a young age and the people that I've been able to work alongside with, um, I know even seeing my friends doing all of that lifestyle that I'm still really, really happy with the decision um, that I made and um, I'm just yeah looking forward to then um, seeing yeah what's still coming. That's awesome um, and just wrapping up your question our questions for today uh, our audience is quite a younger base I know um, everyone's still trying to find their way figure out who they are um, if an opportunity appears like this for our audience what would you like what would you say to them with the opportunity that you've had? Um, I think that if you were really passionate about something or that you do decide that the thing you want is against the norms, that you shouldn't be afraid of it. Um, as I've said, everybody does have a different path in life and you, with the decisions that you make, you will lead on your own path um, and you just never know where your path is going to lead to. Um, if you're just on someone else's journey, I feel like you'll never be truly happy and um, feel like you've aspired in life. I think that you just need to make your own decisions um, and then just deal with the consequences or just take each day as it comes with the outcomes that your decision makes. But I don't think you should be afraid to walking that path alone. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Sunil. Thank you for coming today and having a chat with me. I know that... Um... You're a very busy person and you've got lots going on. So thank you for taking the time for uh, coming on the podcast today. No problems. It was so nice to sit here and chat and reflect back on the biggest decisions that I've yeah. made in my life. So no, it was very good. And I hope that a couple of people who might listen to this take um, something that I've said away um, and that it might make a difference in someone's life. So Beautiful. Thank you so much. No worries. And guys, make sure that you leave a review, leave a comment, tell me what you think. Uh, let me know if you want to hear anything else, uh, what you like about it, what you don't like about it, and we'll see you next week. This is Beyond the Social Butterfly, flying out. Thanks, guys.